Welcome back to the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what is going on in the world, and how all of it applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name is Brooke, I'm your host, and this is episode number 40. I'm back. Hey, Lauren, how's it how going? How you doing, Brooke? Good to I'm see good. you, man. I'm good. Hey, uh, you guys are all going to want to stick around, so um, you can fast forward or whatever you'd like. But uh, we are going to have a special interview with our newest elder, Doug Marchand. A lot of you know Doug, and he's probably replaced the roof on many of your houses. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're going to we're going to talk to him in a little bit. Um, before yeah. we do, well, oh, I no, want to I want to go ahead and plug that interview. Plug uh, it. Doug has got one of the most amazing God stories. Uh, I don't know how much we'll get into his actual story because we're going to record that interview after this podcast episode recording. But uh, I trust we'll hear a little bit of his story, a lot, a lot of his heart. And oh my goodness, talk about redemption. Talk about uh, some real darkness that he had to wade through in his life. And so cool to see how God has redeemed, how God has uh, just completely changed his heart, his worldview. And now he's helping lead Colonial, like such a cool story. Yeah. So yeah, if if nothing else, Brooke was half joking. <laughs> if nothing else, and you're short on time, just fast forward right to to the the timestamp in our show notes for that interview and enjoy because uh, you want to you want to get to know Doug better for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, before we dive into all of the things, uh, just a couple of fun things right off the top here. Uh, tell me how, how are you feeling about your Strohs? Oh my goodness! Getting into World the series, uh, World Series game one starts tomorrow night. You know, uh, we obviously l- let me start with the good stuff. <laughs> 2017, which seems like a lifetime ago now, four years ago, was as much fun as I've ever had as a sports fan. Okay. Uh, first, we beat the Red Sox, the number three highest payroll team in Major League Baseball. Didn't used to be. Then we beat the Yankees, which was then the number two team in right. all, payroll in all of baseball. And then we beat the Dodgers, who at that point was the number one payroll. Wow. We were number 19. Nice. And so playing, I don't know playing what... money ball. I don't care what you think about the Astros right now, especially in hindsight with cheating and all that. Um, but oh my goodness, the little guys came up and won. <laughs> I love that you just slid that in there real quick. Well, like, we can move on. Let's it's move, the let's little move guys. The little guys. The little guys. The little guys. But the little guys, you know, <laughs> you said cheating four times. Okay. No, in all seriousness, that was really, I didn't know any better than none of us knew that there was some cheating going on. And I just, it was so fun. Yeah. You know, one, one, a couple of game sevens, uh, it was so fun to be a sports fan, of us be a Houston Astros fan. This is, in fairness, w- moving past the cheating if we can. <laughs> uh, after having gotten busted, after having gotten rid of some of the leadership that was responsible for that, uh, they're now in their third World Series in five years. Like, like that's not about cheating. They, they, that's what's really tragic about this is they didn't have to cheat. They're so good. Hmm. It's, they're so good that they didn't need to. And how many are going to have an asterisk next to it? Oh, none of them in my book. None of them. No. Because <laughs> no, 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 I can't see not. straight. I'm a fan. What did they change? So they changed leadership? They changed... Well, there's only five or six players uh, or people in the entire organization that were there in 17. Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. But they're their stars. You yeah. know, That's what's sad is they got busted for... For all of you who didn't know what happened, they got busted for cheating uh, at home. 
at home because they had, you know, camera in the outfield looking at uh, pitching signals and stuff like that. Terrible, terrible stuff. But then, like, Altuve, who's their star, was even better on the road. And Bregman, who's one of their stars, was even better on the road. And Correa, who's one of their stars, was even better. Like, all these stats show <laughs> that what are you guys doing? You Your did, cheating didn't you, even help you all You didn't that much. even have to do this. That's funny. And yet, that's what happens when you cheat. Yet they did. Can't, can't we just pretend they didn't cheat? <laughs> I'm such an Astros fan. <laughs> so what's fun is um, uh, I grew up a Braves fan. Oh, I've been an Atlanta fan. Yes, and Atlanta for, is playing for all of my life, and they're the, the World ones Series. Playing, for those yeah. of you that are not paying attention, yep. So back in the back in the nineties with uh, John Smoltz and and Glavin and Maddox Amazing. and Steve Avery and and then Chipper Jones and Amazing Andrew and team. David Justice and granted you could go all the way back to Hank Aaron because that's just cool, but also I, I don't care. So yeah, I did I did back in the day, and then and then I stopped watching baseball because it takes a really really long time. I, I do think I represent a ton of American sports fans when I say this. Uh, I just don't have much interest in baseball for most of their season because they play one hundred and sixty two games. It's a lot of games. Each game lasting three to four hours including some like on the same day oh doubleheader like, days like, like i'm sorry i have crazy. a life to live and <laughs> but two things one uh-huh. is live mm. being at the ballpark mm-hmm. getting a hot dog and a beverage and just it's social being with a good friend or family member it's awesome and two playoff baseball like give me a, a five game series or even better a seven game series okay where every pitch matters, like that is fun. So, so I. You guys can't see how excited his face is right now, it's, but it's, it's World World Series, baby. I, I knew this tomorrow was night, get him all game riled, one. I just wanted to throw. I will it have there. my Astros gear on almost every day this week. <laughs> yeah. So last night you uh, you went to a concert. Tell me about your concert. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I I don't go to a lot of concerts. I don't know how many of our listeners are are big concert goers. But first of all, because of the pandemic, yep. I don't. I, I remember talking to my wife or talking to some of my closer friends or definitely my kids who I've taken to a, a couple concerts. Man, wouldn't it be fun to go to a concert? And, and you just couldn't because nobody was touring mm-hmm. and we weren't getting big crowds together in, in small venues. And, uh, and so when I found out that two of my favorite three bands uh, were on tour together. Um, Sticks. Creedence Clearwater. Sticks and, and who's Creedence? the third one? No, he's joking. <laughs> he's joking. ABBA uh, yes, and Beyonce. And you too. All right, cool. <laughs> no, that's, um, your, that's yours. Need to Breathe uh, <laughs> and Switchfoot are two of my longtime favorite bands. Uh, and uh, I've exposed my my whole family to them. And, and shockingly, everybody loves them. Like, I just, I thought I'd be the only fan. And my wife loves them and my <laughs> girls love them. And so I took uh, two of my two of my four daughters up to OKC uh, yesterday evening, and I met my oldest, who's a student at Oklahoma State. She she met us there with one of her college buddies, and we were one of I think eight or nine thousand people in this um, outdoor amphitheater setting, and just is it the zoo, right? Is it the zoo amphitheater nice. in OKC? And oh my goodness, it was so it could not have been more fun. That's cool. It could not have been more fun. Nice. So I'm curious, Brooke, Yeah. Uh, just for fun, because okay. I, I love these concert questions, and maybe our listeners can, can play along. Any band, uh-huh. dead or alive, still, pl- still touring or not, in any 
given venue, oh, good grief, what would your uh, what would your dream concert be? Any band or artist in any particular venue? Man, I like so much different music. I know, like, and I'm, I'm making you pick place. one. Don't but, don't give me. No, I know, four. I know. I'm just saying that's difficult. I don't know. Um, and, and it doesn't even. Ha- you can change your mind later. Just give me one. Yeah, now. no. Uh, okay, so so one. I love '80s hair bands. Really, I, I love '80s. I hair would bands. not have guessed oh, it's that. So good. They're, they're one of my favorites. Like, there's blue stuff and. Um, when you say that, hair, but, you mean like heavy metal, big hair bands? Like like big hair bands. I wouldn't call them heavy metal. Like, like I would call like Metallica like more of a heavy metal band. Okay, but like more like, like an Aerosmith. Yes. So Aerosmith. Oh, okay. My my wife and I lived in California. We were supposed to be go. We were supposed to we had we were able to go see Aerosmith, and a couple weeks before the concert, uh, um, he fell off the stage and broke his leg. Oh my goodness. And they had to cancel. Steven Tyler? Steven Tyler. Yeah. So he fell off and broke his leg and they didn't get to do the rest of the the of the of the deal. Uh of of the of that tour. So we didn't get to we didn't get to go see him. So I missed out on that. Like uh, dead or alive that makes it that makes it a lot more difficult. Like I'd love to see um uh Stevie Ray Vaughan if you want to go some some, oh, wow. some blues and, yeah. and you can go old school like Chuck Berry would be a blast and um yeah, I I think <laughs> that that list could be um that list could be very, very long. I'd like to see the Foo Fighters. Oof, they're they're, not, they're still touring, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Right. Just I, that that pops into my head because when literally the same time that Steven Tyler fell off the stage and broke his leg, uh, or hip, or shoulder, or something, I may I may have got that wrong. But um, Dave Grohl, the lead singer for Food Fight Foo Fighters, he fell off the stage or something <laughs> happened, and he like broke his leg, and they put him up on a chair and propped up his leg and he finished the concert and kept going. Oh and I goodness. was like, that's very Foo Fighters. Like that, that seems that might have been, uh, helped along by some medication. Or I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't look into it. Uh, what about was, you? Well, real quick, was he, he was the drummer for Nirvana, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I definitely knew the answer before I asked the question uh-huh. in part because I've, I've thought about this before. Sure. Um, Definitely you two. That's my all. And so you've never seen them? No, I've seen them. Oh, okay. I, I've seen them once. So so you've seen them, and still, if you could see anyone, you would still see them again, rather yes. than anybody else that you've never seen? Yes. Wow. But one, I've only seen them once. They're my favorite band of all time, and I've only seen them once. Okay. And then two, uh, I specifically would want to see them in Red Rocks, uh, yeah, which Red is Rock, on the yeah. west side of Denver. Yeah, Red Rock would be pretty cool. And I've I don't been, know, I've I don't been know to Red Rocks. Either. I don't know if they have any other venue that I would, that, that's I even like... I can't think of an... I'm sure there's some... I'm probably uninformed un- yes. as I, to the I believe amazing that I am, venues out there. I'm probably quite ignorant. I, I have been to Red Rocks. I've seen several bands because we lived in Denver for, uh-huh. for in two different time frames, a total of 10 years. Uh, I actually saw Need to Breathe and Switchfoot on tour together uh-huh. at Red Rocks. Uh-huh. Uh, but you two at Red Rocks uh, would be, oh, just absolutely unbelievable. Okay, so... This is probably too easy because you're probably just gonna say you two again. But um, but what's the best concert that you've ever been to? Uh, actually, I would not say you two because to me it's about an experience, um, and I I don't blame our listeners for having no interest in this. <laughs> but but Switchfoot has always been very dear to me, and and because I've gotten to see Switchfoot, I think I think specifically three different times at very small venues, uh-huh. I, I feel like spoiled rotten. Like mm. when you're in a venue with maybe 350 people and they are just rocking out and he's he's crowd surfing right 
right over you and walking around with his wireless mic singing with people <laughs> and hanging from the balcony yeah. and like it's then you go to a big giant arena mm-hmm. and you see some artist that is you know three millimeters yeah, right. high um it's not the same and yeah. so that's where i got to, i got to see you two in a huge arena and i was awesome because i love you too but no the the being in a really small venue with a great great artist to me is is the best so I'd say switch foot at a, at a couple, three different small places. I've yeah. Been. Yeah. Okay. How about you? Um, Best concert ever. Yeah. I think since you've already secured your, um, your Christian pastor card with, with switch foot and, uh, and need to breathe. Um, I think mine probably would be Michael W. Smith. Yes, that's right. Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant together was just Sandy Patty open for my probably, heart right? will go on. Um, that's Celine Dion. I know, but it, it just felt right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I, so. So old school DC talk back in the day. Oh yeah, um, Jesus again, Freak again tour. back in the nineties. The yes. Jesus Freak tour was so stinking. I was good. in my twenties, and that was um, fun. That I have fun. I haven't gone to a ton of concerts. Uh, like uh, Def Leppard was fun. Okay, I, t- I take I take that back. Maybe it might be okay. Go. Do you remember OK Go for early 2000s? They did the treadmill video. and I've never heard of OK Go. OK, well, that was a really, really good concert. Like, literally the fact that they, it was at, uh, it was at House of Blues, and they did, um, cool. they even brought out, like, the handbells. And so they put all their instruments down, and, like, the four people in the band, like, they played handbells and sang a song <laughs> to it, and it was so cool. It was ridiculous, but, yeah, so. OK, so you mentioned House of Blues. So House of, Switchfoot. Yeah. At House of Blues in Dallas, okay. just a couple, three years ago, was was as good as it gets for me. Because, again, it's a smaller venue. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's move on. We should move um, on past concerts. So so last week, I was gone, right? I was at the uh, uh, Compassion International um, Can you give our people trip. a little taste of your trip? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, I can. But I, I wanted to tell you a story first. Okay. Um, before we get all serious and talk about real stuff. Um so you're you're a big Star Wars fan, huge. Yes, and and so like Captain Kirk is your favorite, and That's Star Trek. <laughs> you were such a punk. You did that on purpose. Oh, that's fun. Why would you do that? Because it's, it's so fun. You just hurt a it's lot of people so for fun. a second. Anyway, so I don't I don't really care. It's it's Star Wars. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> is it? Um, it Star Trek. Yeah. No, it's Star Wars. I just want to do that to poke the bear. It's fun. Uh, so every morning at the conference, they did um, just kind of like while everybody's eating breakfast and waking everybody up, they they did a trivia. And so one day was like uh, was like uh, Disney in the '80s and '90s trivia or something like that. And then and we were late, but I'm pretty sure Kara would have like like waxed the floor with everyone like she would have just smoked everybody uh but the second day was star wars trivia and i was like that's funny i was like i know a couple of people terry johnson and uh and you that would have just been you know would have just loved it oh, we're far from lone brook we're, we've got a lot of listeners right now that are like sign me up now let's go <laughs> all right so the four of you would have been at you would have had a great time <laughs> we'll double it there for you but i have to make a confession i won what? That's yeah. impossible. I won the Star Wars trivia. That is impossible. What were they asking? What was the name of the princess? Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> they were actually like rather difficult questions. Like, what was the last thing that Luke said when he was on the planet with Yoda before he left? Do you know that? Uh, it was a multiple choice question, so I had Well, multiple choice. I, I, I would help. own it. Um, <laughs> the last thing he said to Yoda... Um, that's why I have to go. No, nope. hold on. 
There's a lot of dead space here. Uh, oh, I really want to get this right. I'm not going to cut this, this out. I'm going to let. I'm going to leave this. This is the kind of stuff that matters, Brooke. <laughs> um, Does it? They're arguing. Yoda's saying basically, "Don't go." Uh, oh man, mm, that's why. I to, I, that's why I have to save them. So, like I said, there was there was it was multiple choice, so that helped. But out of the ten questions, I got back. eight of them correct. Right, what, I was, felt, what was the I answer pretty to that good. one? I need to know. Um, I don't know. I'm just. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he said something about uh, that he would be back to finish his training, and yes. um, and I, I I got that right. But uh, anyway, so I I, th- I thought it was really funny that uh, that that I won, and so I won a little mug for all my coffee drinking, and because um, I drink lots of coffee. That's hilarious. I, that's and, pretty cool. Uh, but will... but the funny thing was that then then when we got home. Um, my 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 middle school daughter she she like came and sat down after the rest of the kids were in bed and she turned on star wars and she was in the middle of that movie like right there at that point and i just thought it was really funny that i came home and we had the star wars thing and everybody was like oh man you must be like a big star wars fan i was like actually we just like watched these recently actually you have no idea i don't really care (laughs) anyway uh so compassion compassion is something that we were gonna we will talk about um, a whole lot more yeah. in, in November. So we're going to talk about that a bunch That's more fair. in November. Leaving it. So I'm I, so I glad you got to get away, though. Yeah. I'm glad your wife got to go with you. Yeah. I'm glad that you got some firsthand interaction with an amazing international ministry group. Right. And, and you're right. We'll talk about a lot more later. But man, yep. I really am glad for, for our church that you got to spend some time with those folks yeah. and, and bring back some resources and some plans. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll do that and we'll talk about it a whole lot more on the podcast in the, in you know, next month um, as we do, but, but just compassion international, if you don't know anything about them, um, cause I didn't know very much, uh, but they're basically, they are a Christ centered uh, child focused and through the local church um, type of organization. And uh, so they're, they're not a school. It's not an orphanage. It's not like community development. All of those kinds of things end up happening through what they do. Um, they are they they are teaching the gospel. They're preaching the gospel to to kids, and uh, they're they're child focused. They want them to be known, loved, and protected. They work with kids that are that live off of less than two dollars a day, and everything is done through uh, indigenous leadership there at the at the place. So they're not they're not training people up here in the United States and and uh, shipping over Americans to to teach people they are are really pouring into the leadership that is in a specific area. So that was really cool. Sweet. Um, and uh, that was that was some stuff that that really stuck out to me. And and yeah, like I said, um, November we'll talk about that a whole lot more. We're gonna talk to um, we're gonna talk to somebody from Compassion. We're gonna talk to uh, some people here that have um, that have have experienced uh, Compassion. And then we'll have a super special guest. Um, in the future that uh, we're gonna keep the wraps on right now and uh, but yeah that'll be that'll be fun that'll be that'll be a cool uh, cool couple of weeks I think. love it yeah. love it I'm excited yeah okay uh, before we talk about acts before we dive into any of that before we get to Doug in a little bit um, we got a question and uh, it's it's from it's from a couple of weeks ago and we just had a chance to get to it and uh, it's something I want to talk about so I thought you know what let's bring it back um, so this was this was sent to us and I'm gonna just read it and toss it back to you. So it was, this is a couple of weeks ago. Um, Randy Larson, who was um, he, he came in and sat with us. Uh, what was it two weeks ago? Uh, he said something about uh, the status of the church, and maybe those are are 
my words, the uh, question writer, and not his, um, and and about the pastors trying to keep the lights on in the local in in the church right now in in the United States, right? Um, so my thought or question is: Do you think that the church as we know it today will go away? And we become more of gatherings in homes once a week or even several times a week, like the early church, rather than what we know it as now. Wow, that's a great question. Um, that's a great question because they... we, we were talking about during we were talking about during during COVID and how it's you know so much becomes about like can we keep the lights on? Is the is is giving covering what we need to be able to even do ministry, or can we even see beyond the? the uh, the immediate bills that that uh, you know in order to do ministry beyond it so yeah well my first this is not totally fair to the question but my first gut okay. reaction uh, in a very general way is the church is never going away um, okay. now I know the question is the church as we know it so, right so we'll, I was, we'll was going I was going to push back I know I knew you were going to jump on me <laughs> but but first to, to address that in a positive hopeful way mm-hmm. um, in a confident way. Uh, we can rest uh, on the fact that the church ain't going anywhere. It may look really different. Right. Uh, methodology changes, uh, freedoms in different parts of the world in different seasons of time come and go, uh, pluralism or, or other factors really really uh, change the way we, we experience being a church together. But all that say, I, I, I want to start with a real positive thing that I, I believe we can look back at 2000 years. We can look, we can look at all over the world. We can look at times of, of tyrant Kings and oppressive situations. We can look at, uh, disease, poverty. Uh, we can look at growing pluralism in Europe. Um, in a lot of ways, people often talk about how, um, we culturally follow Europe mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, including in the church. And as one who grew up in the church, um, in Europe, there's a lot of beautiful empty buildings, mm. uh, big, giant, empty buildings that in and of itself speaks to how the church has changed over there. Yeah. Um, but guess what? The church is alive and active in Europe, and the church in some ways is growing. Uh, it just doesn't look like what it used to look like, you know? But all that to say, um, that's a great question because I think especially with our heads down and thinking about how things were six months ago or a year ago or, or, or more, more importantly, a couple of years ago before the pandemic, or for some of us who are a little older thinking about how things were 20, 30 years ago, right. 40 years ago as a kid or whatever. Um, yeah, I think the church is going to change. And I think those of us who try to hold on to how it's always been or how we wish it would not change much. <laughs> mm. uh, and I'm as guilty of that as anybody at times, uh, despite my calling to be a forward thinking visionary leader. Uh, I think it's detrimental because we've got to continually ask the Lord, all right, how do you want us to be your people in this context? How do you want us to share the good news in this culture? How do you want us to gather? And, and when we gather together regularly, what do you want us to do? And that's got to look differently at different times. Um, I do think, man, I, by the way, 
I think I think Brooke, you and I both agree. We don't know the answer to this question. It's 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 very it's a fun question. It's yeah. a it's a speculation question. We can't we can't yeah. See well, it. and 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 just to be clear, not speculating about the 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 future of Colonial Church specifically. No, but, no, we're talking but the about, American Church yes, that we know. Yes, and, we're talking bigger than that, yeah. longer term than that. Um, we do know that the number of millennials going to church regularly is way down from previous generations. And uh, it remains to be seen what um, what Generation Z mm-hmm. and those numbers are going to look like. But... but uh, I mean, I, I, think, I think there's an argument to be made that it will change. That, as, as you said, it's changed repeatedly over, you know, yeah. in the past two centuries, or two, two, uh, two millennia, right? Right. Um, it has constantly changed and evolved depending on where it was and how it could be public and how it got persecuted and um, and you know when when laws change and freedoms change and 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 things op- opinions even change and traditions change like so so I, I would at least say that you know whether or not it goes away fully as we know it and becomes some different form that to me looking towards the future i, I would assume that it will change that yeah it, no it's doubt. not going to be you know my grandparents church it's not going to be my parents right. church it, at some point when my kids are old enough it's not going to be their parents church you know right. it's not going to be the church that i know and so you know, yeah, I, I think I think you know change is inevitable. Like it's going to happen. It doesn't mean that the that the gospel changes. It nope. doesn't mean that the that the stories that we that we have grown up on and and the teachings that we know and love from the Bible are any different. But the way that we experience them, and the ways that we teach them, and the ways that um, that we gather together, I, I would I would have to assume will change. Yep. No, that's that's well put. The gospel has been the same since Jesus. The gospel is unchanging, and um, it's how we flesh it out. It's mm. how we, uh, it's how we share it. Language matters. It's how we, um, it's how we apply the teachings from Scripture, um, and we we get stuck, you know, on what a Sunday morning hour is supposed to look like, and that's like one of the least important things. Mm. It's it's how do we live out being a disciple of Jesus in today's context and. In 2021, in Wichita Falls, Texas, it looks one way, and in Afghanistan, right, <laughs> right now in 2021, right. it looks a different way, and in Wichita Falls, Texas, in 2031, it might actually look really different. Yeah, as as weird as that might sound, um, but can, can I say this other? I'll bookend it with another positive thought. You can. I. I, I may have said this or alluded to this more than once on our, our 40 episodes of pot of the podcast where we're still a young podcast. That's right. I just get excited about the more subversive our, our church. And I say that with a capital C gets to be because as I even alluded to yesterday in my teaching from, from the book of acts, <coughs> excuse me, the church was a subversive movement for the first three centuries, uh, up until Constantine changed Christianity, changed the Roman Empire into the Holy Roman Empire, and Christianity no longer was a power under movement. It became a power over movement, which in so many ways runs counter to the teachings of Jesus. We were a subversive movement. We were 
It was not cool to be a Christian. It was not acceptable to be a Christian. It was not even safe to be a Christian. And Christianity thrived. Mm. Now, people died mm-hmm. by the millions, you know, um, arguably two million people in the first three centuries. But Christianity just exploded, and more and more people came to know Jesus, and more and more people chose to follow Jesus. And, and so when I hear stories of persecution coming our way here in the Bible Belt, in the good old USA that, that we have just experienced so much freedom and enjoyment of, of being, being uh, free to gather and um, it's socially acceptable to be a Christian and it's even, we even have, you know, so many stories of politicians over the years claiming to be Christians, even if they weren't, because that's what helped you get votes in our culture, you know? Uh, if we, if we are on a trajectory of becoming a subversive movement again, uh, do I love that for my kids? No. Does that give me some anxiety and some sadness? Yes. And yet, you know, what's stronger than both those feelings is some excitement. Uh, Mm -hmm. call me, call me a little crazy, (laughs) but, oh, we get to be called back to being a, a subversive, unpopular, go against the grain, movement of Jesus. Uh, yeah, that seems consistent with the gospels. I re- we read the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, which should still be fresh to us from studying it early this year together. Mm-hmm. That's all swimming upstream, yeah. you know? So, oh, we get to do that now? Yeah. Um, so uh, for anybody who's alarmed, if any, for any reason, that particular question comes from any of our listeners from a place of fear or a place of heavy concern, I would like to encourage you that the church ain't going anywhere. The gospel is unchanging. And if we get to be his radical, called to be different, uh, difficult road ahead kind of Christians, bring it on. Uh, I'm not trying to be noble or idealistic about that. I, just, I think there's something beautiful about that. Um, but I'm also the guy that had all of my extended family one time gathered and talking about how how weird Austin is and crazy liberal Austin is. And they, one of my family members said, I can't wait to get out of there. And I'm, I think I was 18 and I'm like, Ooh, hmm. I think I want to move to Austin. <laughs> and it wasn't cause I was crazy, weird, liberal, whatever. It's cause I like, I like being in a community that, that forces me to live out my faith. Yeah. That it's not going with the flow. Mm-hmm. It's not drifting in a dry religious experience. It's, I get to be, that's why, one reason I love living in Colorado, Brooke. I loved, uh, we decided to come back closer to family and really felt like it was a God thing to be back down here. But part of me loved being in Colorado because most of my friends and neighbors didn't know Jesus. And I had to decide, do I believe this or not? Yeah. So it's a long answer to say, bring it on, right. you know? Well, and, and, and I love that. I love that word subversive. Um, I think it's, I think it's easy to apply it to like a, a political context of, you know, um, unseating a government or, or, you know, something, something like that. But, but in this case, yeah, it's I don't mean, so I don't mean rebellious, right. But it's so violent. against what we, <laughs> against what we know and, and the ways that Jesus mm. lived that out, you know, showing, uh, love and honor to, to women and to kids that yeah. was completely subversive for the time that they were, right. that they were in. And, 
Um, yeah, I, I just, I just, I love that word, and I love the idea of, of it. Just you know, to to be a Christian means to not be okay with just the status quo, yeah. and to yeah. and to be looking for ways that, in the same way that Jesus did, who are we need to, who do we need to love on, who do yeah. we need to 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 share our lives with that we that we don't that yeah. we that we are taught to ignore or to block out or to blame or or whatever it is. So I, I love that word subversive Ooh. and. So yeah, I think I think that's really cool. If I could be this random, go down this rabbit trail on this on this subject, I think about my wife as a public school teacher. Um, I, I I am less excited about the powers that be legislating from on high uh, prayer in schools, uh, and more excited about people like my wife and other Christians in the middle of those public schools yeah praying for people yeah and and being the 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 hands and the feet and the mouthpiece of Jesus if that makes any sense mm-hmm. that's a subversive approach um, right it's it's one thing to you know make a law that requires somebody to do something and yeah, we, I, I mean that's that's literally what that's the, not, the 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 Roman government was doing it's what that's the not what we need Jewish I, I'm, leaders I'm were so doing. biased about that we want all these kids many of whom who don't know Jesus to be forced to pray or or even just to give the Christian kids an opportunity to pray uh, I am much more interested in teaching those same Christian kids mm. what's it like to to pray while you're there and, and love your classmates and give your life away to yeah. them and, and share the good news of Jesus. Mm. And you can't legislate that. Yeah. You can't have the powers that be make that happen. That's a subversive right. movement. Hmm. So I hope that makes sense. I hope I'm not coming off like I'm not a fan of good things for our kids. Sure. Okay. So, uh, this this weekend we had we had baptisms as well. Yeah, that was so um, fun. So you you were on stage for that. Did I, you see me? Uh, by the way, eat no, it. No, I, I don't know if any of our listeners saw me just fall down. I was leaving the stage and my feet were were obviously wet, and I just ate it, man. Didn't hurt myself, <laughs> but I've I've been given a hard time. Uh, by I need several. to go, I need to go back and see if it's I, on I don't video. know if we caught it on video. I don't know. I hope so because I hope so. If, if we did, I'll, I'll it's have not to... worth doing if you're not going to capture it on <laughs> That's video. That's right. If we caught it, then so I'll, sorry. I'll have to post it. Way but. more importantly, we got to celebrate, uh, was it seven? I think it was a total of seven people that, uh, kids and several adults that have, have just chosen to follow Jesus. And, oh, it was so fun. So exciting. Yeah, I, I thought it was, you made a connection as you were talking about it. I don't remember if it was, um, I think it was before you, before the baptisms in the first service, um, they they all blend together and and all that to me, but uh, you you made the connection between baptism and your wedding ring uh-huh. as an outward expression, and I just I don't think I'd ever heard that like huh. I, I'd never heard that that um, that equation if mm. you will that these are basically the same thing. It's not having a wedding ring on doesn't make you married. It doesn't change what your marriage is mm. in the same way that baptism. Doesn't, it's not magic water. It's yeah, right. It's it's not a checkbox, and it, it, that it's, it's it's an outward expression. That my wedding ring that I wear all the time yeah. is an outward expression. Yeah, that uh, you know that, that fends off all of the you know the, the, the oh. passionate women that oh are, that are chasing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so true. Just kidding. Uh, but no, that was that, I thought that was a really cool um, that was a really cool connection there that I'd never I'd never heard before. Mm. Well, good. 
I'm glad there was a moment of, of freshness That's right. to a longtime churchgoer. That's right. Well, and obviously every analogy has lots of holes in it, but but just a quick comparison. I thought I thought that was helpful. It's helpful to me, especially because we've we've got people that are celebrating with us that aren't still aren't sure exactly what baptism means or right. Um, it's another reason why if I can go to infant baptism for a second, it's why we take seriously. We believe in we we teach here and believe this. We as, as Baptists here at Colonial closet Baptists that we are, um, we believe in what we call believer's baptism. In other words, it's a choice you make. So if I could go this far with that analogy, you put a wedding ring on an infant, um, it's meaningless, you know? Well, I guess at best you're doing it for yourself. Oh, I gave my child a gift. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe for some, it's I'm making a choice. I'm going to grow this kid up. And I'm going to point them to Jesus. It's got some redeeming qualities, you know, but it doesn't have anything to do directly with, does that kid know Jesus? Does that, has that kid surrendered his or her life to Jesus? Has that, has that kid decided to follow Jesus with, with their day-to-day life? No, it has nothing to do with any of that. Um, that's why we teach people who have experienced infant baptism as they get older. Okay. Here in our tradition, what do you know Jesus have you already given your life to him if if you haven't oh my goodness let's deal with that if you have let's give you a chance to choose to put a ring on the finger so to speak you know yeah. let's let's give your give you a chance to go i want to celebrate on the outside something that's very meaningful to me on the inside you know right so i don't know that thought just came to me yeah i again like i said it was just just a, a, a connection that I had not heard anybody actually make, and I thought that was uh, if you like cool. it, then you better put a ring on it. I think one <laughs> one prophet said I was I was gonna go there, and then I decided not to after you threw me into the bus for talking about Thriller last week. So if you, uh, you I'll, I'll let you go to the Queen Bee, so that's cool. Um, okay, so this 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 word that you talked about, um, archagon, right? If I said it correctly, yeah, love it. Uh, so what is the deal with the English language that we apparently just, we can't interpret things in the same way, and so it's like, well, here's about 20 things that it could mean. Yeah, that's a great well, question. Why, I, why, I why are we that way? I don't know. I'm, not, I'm, I'm probably not the guy to answer that, because there are why, some why linguistic... Why are we the way ex- that we why are? Why are we the way that we are? <laughs> but the word that always comes up when we talk about Scripture and language is, is the word love. Why is it that we say, I love yeah. my wife, I love the Houston Astros, I love my grandma, yeah. I love cheeseburgers, and I just, I just use that word four different, four very different ways. Right. I do not love my grandma the way I love my wife, oh dear God. I do not love the Houston Astros the way I love my grandma, or cheeseburgers, you know? like, yeah. And so, um, Archegon, it's... It's just got so much richness and nuance to it. Um, I don't know why that is. Uh, because the same group of scholars in different contexts will, will translate it into a different English word. It's pretty... So if, 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 I, if I caught that correctly, the word archegon is what they would have used back then for, did you say for Hercules, for their superheroes, yes. my, for like their gods? My... My understanding in the, in the reading that I was doing is that uh, very commonly used Greek word to describe Hercules uh, and and other mythological Greek superheroes like him, Archegon, very common term. So like, 
I'm not saying it, uh, that superhero is, is the perfect translation either. But when we say we say superheroes, I mean instantly we have that imagery of mm-hmm. everything from Batman to Wonder Woman to Spider Man. Right. I mean, it just it just encompasses this whole slew of of people, and Archegon was like that term for them. So even the because this was a you know a Greek culture, even over here in in Israel, uh, that was the language of the day. That was that was the Roman education culture. Even though you know these Jewish people are growing up speaking Hebrew and are really speaking Aramaic, the language of the day, but they were infused with with Greek culture, um, even more than a lot of them liked, and they just knew that's what it meant. That they knew that that was a term used for for superheroes. And so when we read it used to describe Jesus specifically um, as our archegon, that carried a lot of unique weight. Well, you listed out you listed out words um, or, or different different ways that that word was used in the scriptures. Right, the, the prince, the author of life, perfect leader, champion who initiates and perfects our faith, founder, pioneer, captain. Those were other other, other ways that you did it. So, would would that culture have then interpreted it similarly? Like, oh, he is that 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 Christ followers are saying that he is the superhero of life or the perfect superhero or the 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 superhero who perfects their faith um, would they have equated it in the same way or would they have interpreted it into like ah oh, they're just saying he's the captain of a ship or the, the the guy who pioneered this thing or was the founder of whatever well like anything with communication if i can dodge the question like this <laughs> you know you can't know how everybody is hearing it in right. the moment I, I i know this from experience i can say one thing on a stage to 350 people right and um it's amazing to me how people hear 27 different things mm-hmm. you know having said that with the ben- we have the benefit of hindsight we have the benefit of the written word and we can sit down and and study it at length, and and with that being said, with great confidence, say, oh yeah, that's exactly what he meant. That's exactly what was heard by many many people in that context. Um, so my my long answer is yes. I think people I think people knew exactly what Peter was talking about. Uh, and then if you have the context of this is why I'm not stopping. This is why I'm giving my life to him. He's not just a, a good thing. He's the archagon. This is why they can tell me to shut up. I'm not shutting up. Yeah. Uh, that context matters too. Because they didn't just say it and use that word. And what did they hear when they said that word? But they just got flogged. Right. Arrested and flogged and told to stop. They, he uses that word. And then he goes and does the same thing. I'm going to go. I'm going back in. Mm-hmm. You know? So it, it definitely carried a lot of weight. So and, and as you as you've said before, you you like to you know be hyperbolic a little bit and I do I do I and get myself say something. In so you said that Jesus is our actual real life superhero. So yes. how much of that is interpretation versus hyperbolic? Like no, I believe that with totally. That's not hyperbole. Yeah. Now, granted, um, what you mean by superhero? What is, I mean by superhero is not you know he has a you know, a lasso that right. makes you tell the truth and flies an invisible plane. Well, he know. might, I don't know. Maybe, but <laughs> that he, he is capable of doing far more than we can imagine that he is willing to sacrifice for us that we talked about heroism. 
Uh, so I re- it really was less about superhero like Superman and more about heroic. Yeah. If I could, if I yeah. could narrow it down to that. And you and you went there. Just, yeah. He's our ultimate hero. Just a, that yeah. that statement alone. Yeah. He's our actual superhero. Yeah. When when our brains go to yeah. the Hercules yeah. and the and and the Superman and the, the you know the Batman and the the Tony Starks yep. and the you know all that stuff. But then I even I mean the fictional stuff is tough. But that's also why I went to you know people who have have sacrificed themselves in real life. For, for others, mm-hmm. whether it's in the military or uh, in law enforcement or it's people on a, on a plane headed for the Pentagon or it's defending the Alamo or it's, you know, on and on and on. Um, those pe- It doesn't get any higher on our list of heroes than that. Oh, wait, it does. Mm. Jesus. That's my point. He is the ultimate real-life actual superhero. Um, as much as we honor those others, it's why we give our lives to this guy. Yeah. It's why it's why he is the full exp- when we understand he is the full expression of God. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I, okay, I want to give my life to God mm. then. Okay, so then how do you apply that in the in the go and be because we are required and empowered to be heroic. So now yeah. how do we take that step and say this is what he did? How does that how does that translate for us? In, in the 21st century, 20... The two, th- yeah. the two quick things that come to mind, Brooke, are real simple. One is, uh, why don't we study with every uh, bit we can Jesus? Um, if, if, if we're called to be his disciples, to emulate him, then I want to know more and more and more who Jesus is, what he said... Uh, what he reveals about God. Um, so one, let's get to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, uh, let's have way more confidence than we already do. Like whatever, wherever we are on the confidence meter of 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 swimming upstream, of taking risks, of of choosing the costly, sacrificial life Jesus calls us to. Let's all acknowledge it, it. It needs to be a lot higher uh, because look, look who he is. Look, look what he represents. Look what he modeled for us. So, for me, I'm both motivated to know him more, and I'm inspired to trust him more from a place of courage and confidence. Uh, and because I think, I think then the overflow to to. I'm probably staying in the the conceptual and not getting applicable enough for you, but the overflow from that is the real the real visceral, the real finite, um, tangible is the word I'm looking for. The real tangible, uh, living out what we believe. Hmm. So the more I know about Jesus, the more I choose to trust Him from a place of courage and confidence. Then the more I'm going to walk into a school lunchroom, and and befriend the the unfriended. Yeah. And uh, and be forgiving of hurting kids around me that, that are hurting me and boldly point people to Jesus. And the more I'm going to go into my workplace and actually listen to people instead of dominate, and I'm going to serve and meet needs of people so they can see the kindness of God on display, uh, the more I'm going to get to know my neighbor, uh, however different they may seem, and and give time to them and... Because it comes from those two things, knowing more about Jesus, I think, and, and just trusting him courageously. Mm. That all was spontaneous, but I think it's that simple. I really, we complicate it, you know? Yeah. 
it's it's really simple. It's hard to do. Yeah. It's, it's he asks us to come and die to self. It's hard, but it's very it's it's simple. It's clear. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so as we as we wrap this up and uh, we want to get to get to our interview with Doug. Um, who are, who are so you? You've got a you've got a Marvel Comics shirt on at the moment. What, who I are did some not of plan your? That. Yeah, uh-huh. Who are some of your uh, favorite superheroes? Just off the top of your head, like you talking like fantasy comic book superheroes? Yeah, like like uh, like like 2021 like comic book. Not not in the not in the uh, the superhero uh, character and and sacrifice and and all of that that we talked about on Sunday. Now I'm just. Curious. As wait, we wait, wait. Up. Please forgive me for being slow. Um, I'm, I've got my Aggie impersonation going here. What? <laughs> um, you're talking real life. I'm talking day to day. I'm saying take take your take your church hat off. Yes. And who are your favorite superheroes from a Marvel DC standpoint? Sure. Okay. Yes. Like fantasy superheroes. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry that it took me so long to catch up with where <laughs> you were going. Uh Well, I definitely love Captain America. He's he's. At worst, he's a cheese ball. But, he, is, he is that, But yes. he is just the essence of goodness and loyalty and sacrifice. And and then he just... When he... when he in, in On the big screen, when he grabbed Thor's hammer... <laughs> yeah. And Thor's like, I knew it! <laughs> he's worthy. Like, <laughs> I, it just encapsulates... I, and then, and then, as a kid, he's not my favorite anymore. But as a kid, Spider Man was always my favorite. Yeah, I think because he was the the runt at school and picked on, and um, and then all of a sudden has the strength of ten men and he can walk on walls. You right. know, I just I just love. Well, you, I mean, and it's like these are all as a kid. Like you're looking at all of these like Superman and right. and and obviously the words, but Batman and all, all yeah. like all of these superheroes are adults. Yeah. But then to have a yeah, have a high school it was a kid, game changer to you know, have a that's, teenager. That's, that's a totally different deal. I will say on that note though, Superman's one of my all time least favorite superheroes. Yeah, because he's not. There's nothing human about him. He, like other than this green rock, you can't beat him. You can't like. It's almost like Marvel's version, Captain Marvel. Uh-huh. Like like uh, that's not fun for me. She shows up and just kicks everybody's tail. <laughs> like I need I need you to have some skin in the game. Yeah, you know. Okay. So, mm. yeah. Um, oh, I was thinking of somebody else real quick, and now mm-hmm. I just blanked on me. Oh, oh, if I can get dark for a second. <laughs> you told me to take off my pastor's hat. Okay. Uh, I've always been a huge Batman fan. I, okay. I don't like DC Comics. I'm a big Marvel guy, except for Batman. Except for Batman. And it's because he saw his parents killed he was wounded. He was j- downright jaded by it. Became a vigilante. Um, actually, in fact, the new Batman movie that's coming out with, uh-huh. with Robert Pattinson, I think in the spring, it's very dark. And he, like they even say, who are you? And, and the trailer, and he says, I'm vengeance. Hmm. And it's, it's, it's actually the way the original comics were written. I, I know this from, from being a comic book fanatic. But he's a dark... Like I said, jaded, <laughs> take yeah. the law into my own hands and, yeah. and and take you out kind of guy. Not really the hero you want your kids looking up to. But as an adult. It's the hero we deserve. Oh, Christopher Nolan did a great job. That <laughs> trilogy was amazing. Okay, so who is the who's your favorite um who's your favorite Batman? 
Because you can go back like oh, easy. You know, there was what you had George Clooney yeah. and and what Val Kilmer and you just started at the bottom. <laughs> yes, I didn't say those were good ones. Yeah, uh, what Clooney. was it? Adam West. I saw it. Adam oh. West back in the day. Oh, I loved Adam that West. Even, does that even so count? Good. Yes, That's it totally so counts. Awful. It was a comic book. It's hilarious. I love that he makes fun of himself. Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, yeah. easily Christian Bale. He was pretty good. Easily. He was pretty good. He was well, fantastic. He also had Christi- Christian, uh, Christopher Nolan on yeah, his side. Yeah, I mean, side, it's so, not fair. You know, he got, it's, yeah. It's not I mean, really the same thing. But he was great, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so coming up this next couple of weeks, we have um, our Backyard Bash coming yes. up on Sunday. So you're going to want to be here. We're going to have both services at 9.15 and 11. And after our 11 o'clock service, we're going to have yes. uh, some fun. If you've got kids, bring them in their costumes. We're going to have bounce houses, I believe. Uh, we're going to have food trucks here, so bring some money with you so you can get some lunch. Um, and we're just going to have some fun and just just hang out and uh, enjoy our Halloween Absolutely. instead of go crazy with what we've done in the past with Trunk or Treat and all that that takes 100 volunteers to actually just even make happen, let alone all this that. This is a real easy, low-key thing, yep. but it's gonna, we're going to have a music plan, lots of food available. Don't forget to bring some money. We're, right. not, we're not cooking for everybody this time. We've not just got time. food trucks. Uh, got a variety there. Got Kona Ice, I believe, that's going to be there for some treats. There you go. Uh, don't forget, have your kids wear their outfits. I think that that's going to be fun for the kids just to be themselves on Halloween weekend. Uh, we're going to be super laid back at the church. We'll have our normal service times, to be right. redundant. Still come for normal. Don't, don't overthink it. Come for normal church times. But then stick around after. Stick around after second service. For I was some trying time. to be very redundant on stage, and you looked at me like I was crazy. No, you kept looking at me like I was looking at you like you were crazy. Because <laughs> you kept looking at me like I was crazy. <laughs> uh, the following weekend on November 7th, we're going to have our Thanksgiving dinner giveaway drive where yes. we all go to Market Street at some point. We we'll both have both of our services, 9, 15, and 11 o'clock on that day Regular as well. service times, two Regular weekends. Regular service times. Two but, weekends oh, I don't even think I said this, but we also will not have upstairs for the kids, so you, you can bring your kids with you. I yeah, believe. but don't even worry about that now we're not worried about it anyway yeah, we'll explain that as it gets closer so that's going to be uh that's going to be a lot of fun following that and, and you're you're shaking and your, and yeah. and i know you mentioned this yesterday but i want to make sure our listeners are clear and could not be more excited about partnering yep. with two other churches two churches this year. we partnered with one church for the first time last year right this year we're partnering with two churches right. one both one life church and unity church our our meetness at at market street and we're all in this together and uh they're just two good friends of ours and their leadership and uh, a lot of our people know each other more of our people need to know each other we're one big church in the city in so many ways so look forward to uh come to colonial and then we're going to go serve together weekend after next that's right it's gonna be a lot of fun so all right so this has been the e6 podcast from colonial church you can always get more information about colonial at colonialchurch.com or you can download our app from the app store the google play store we love to hear from you, so thank you for your question this week and for your questions last week. And So send us your questions. to uh, You can send us to uh, podcast at colonialchurch.com. Thanks for listening. We'll pick up the conversation again next week. But first, we'll be right back with Doug Marchand. Okay, so we are back with Doug. So you got me and Lauren, and we're back with Doug Marchand, the uh, the construction slash roofing extraordinaire of Wichita Falls. And uh, oh, he's so much more than that, though. I bro. know that's just where I started. Like now, you cut me off, so you have to go. How do you know Doug? <laughs> Doug has become. I'm not saying this just because he's right in front of me, or uh-huh. he could hurt me later. <laughs> Doug has become a dear friend to me. He has revealed. 
uh, in so many tangible ways, just the transformative work of Jesus. And to me, just, I think, represents so much of the good that God can do through the local church. And uh, just watching you, um, way before my time, come to know Jesus, grow like a weed, find your wife. Uh, Proverbs 31 wife, by the a way. A Proverbs 31 wife that, yes, uh, and just continue to grow and mature and lead and serve and lead and serve and grow and mature. And now you're an elder at the church. I'm eager for people to hear a little bit of your story today, Doug. It's just crazy how God works in people's lives yep. when you don't know it. Yep. You saw none of this coming, right? I did not. <laughs> Once you hear it, you're going to say, yeah, he planned that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Doug, before we dive into your to your story, um, tell us about your family. Um, just let us know who is Doug and, and, and your family, and, uh, and we'll go from there. So I'm Doug, married to Gina. Uh, like I said, Proverbs 31 wife. I'm hoping she's going to listen to this, get some bonus points on that. <laughs> uh, we, we, have a Blake, we have a son named Blake, uh, uh, one, a daughter named Hope, along with Gabby. Uh, we did have Sean. He passed away a couple of years ago, and, and that's totally another God story there, but he's, he's used that. Um, like I said, I just uh, I own a construction company here locally. That's about it. been coming to Colonial. Oh, since 2008. Man, 2008. Mm, yes, I can't sir. do the math in my head. Was that yeah. 13 years? 13 uh, years ago. Uh, yeah, That's pretty it was, good math, yeah. by the way. I did, I did yeah. really well. Okay. 13 years. And how long have you been in Wichita Falls? Oh, I've been in Wichita Falls since uh, 1987. Okay. Graduated in Rhode Island and uh, came to Texas, and I became a, a, a damn Yankee because damn Yankees are the ones that don't go back. Okay. So... All right, all right. So, okay, so you have a story of life change, and we've shared this, uh, you have shared this in, in a couple of ways here at Colonial, but uh, we wanted to give you some space so you could, you could share your, um, your life change story and, and, and just kind of go into detail and tell us what happened. So go back in the day prior to Jesus, prior to knowing this, prior to the church, and, uh, and, and take it from there. Oh... Wow, it's a long time ago. Um, I've always been in construction, so for there for a while I started uh, building some bars, got involved with these guys, and we built a few bars out, and then I started uh, getting involved with those. So at one time I was building bars uh, here and down in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I was tr- you know, going back and forth all the time. So uh, one time a friend of mine came to me and he said, hey, here's some stuff that's going to kind of keep you, keep you active, keep you, keep you alive. Well, it was methamphetamine. Uh, that was probably in about '95. Okay, so uh, so when I was expecting like Red Bull, it was. Yeah, no, not Red Bull. Okay, on Red Bull on steroids. <laughs> so, yeah, and illegal, by the way. Yeah, right. Uh, so anyway, he, he gave me that, and I just fell in love with it because I've always been about uh, working hard, working more, uh, and this this enabled me to do that. But it wasn't long after that that it totally took over my life. Um, ended up losing mostly everything I had. Um, Let's see, then in 1999, uh, fast forward a couple of years, uh, my, my great idea was to um, cook meth, make a bunch of money, and when I got caught, I was going to stop. Didn't happen that way. Uh, God had another plan. So the first time I had been, ever been in trouble in my life, I caught a 95-year sentence uh, wow. in, in prison. Uh, so obviously that was a little depressing. <laughs> so uh, county jail, there was a guy of all things in there for murder. He had uh, he'd killed his wife with a hammer. It's crazy, right? Wow. Anyway, he was there and he was starting getting the Bible, and I was like, well, there's nothing else to read. 
So <laughs> I might as, well, might as well read this. Yeah. Started started reading that and checking it out. And of course. So, so hold on, hold on. There's probably so many times we could say, hold on, hold on, <laughs> yeah, Doug. Yeah. But I didn't know this part of your story. The guy that you got your first Bible from yeah. was a, a guy who murdered his wife with a hammer. Yeah, he was in the county jail at the same time I was. He was going to, to court and, and all this. What does that say? Just just for a moment, what does that say about the mystery of the ways of God that he would use uh, this man mm-hmm. to introduce you to Scripture? Like, I love the, I love the fact that it's like it's it's a real life Bible story, if you will. Like I mean, you know, Moses. We we how many how many. How many goodness, people? Case in point, Moses took a guy out. <laughs> I mean, seriously, how many people that were used in the Bible yes. to further the the the, the work yes. of God yes. were just messed up, and then we're experiencing it now. Yeah, I don't know if it's because you know what they call it, a foxhole prayer. You yeah. know, when you're in, when you're in prison, <laughs> sure. Uh, God help me out of this, and I promise I'll never do the X bargaining again. we do. Yeah, because uh, we know that don't work. Uh, so anyway, he, he introduced me to that, and I and I started reading. Then it, um, eventually I was in county jail, so they send you to your unit, you know, your your prison. Uh, I got settled in, and then started uh, checking out checking out the church. It was Church of Christ mostly, which was cool. Um, singing was nothing like colonial because it was Church of Christ, right? So <laughs> harmonies um, and parts and yeah, yeah. yeah. After that, we uh, there's a program in prison called Kairos. Uh, so I took Kairos 4 at the All Red unit out here mm-hmm. on the highway. Uh, I think they're like Kairos 60 now. Um, Is that like the class that goes through? What do you mean 4 or 60? What does that mean? Yeah, so every Kairos, they have it every six months. Oh, okay. So Kairos 4, like the fourth. it was only been there two years at okay. that time. Wow, so you, you basically go back almost to the beginnings of that ministry here locally. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of people that could go to our church now mm-hmm. that was in, involved in it back then. Yeah. Uh, Let's see what else. So, at that time, it so Kairos is kind of like a weekend, like an, an Emmaus walk, uh-huh. but it's inside the prison where people come in and, and share the love of Christ with us. They get and it's us, a one-time experience. It's, it's a one-time experience over the weekend, and then they do follow-ups every week. Okay, people come in from the outside, and you okay. do what's called prayer and share, um, and we just get together and talk um, on the weekends. Um, so that's where I was saved. I was saved at that Kairos. Uh, after Still that, thinking you had ninety plus years ahead. Oh of you. yeah, yeah, yeah. Your life, your life is now behind bars. Yeah. So I had hope. I had hope because you know if you're ever involved in a criminal situation, these attorneys will give you hope and they try to get you to spend more money. They kept mm. saying, "Well, you're going to win this on appeal. You're going to mm. you're going to win this." So I was like, "Okay, so let's put all our resources over to that." Of course, it never happened. But it, it, it's God's plan, not any attorney's plan or anything like that. Mm. Yeah, so I was saved with that and then went through this other program called Horizon, which some people from our church are involved in. It's basically a God pod where 48 guys got together and we studied something every night. We're basically in this uh, three-story tier environment, and each cell has two people in it. Uh, I actually had a Muslim in my cell. It was the first year we actually did inter, um, inter-religion stuff hmm. uh so it was it was kind of challenging we, he and i had some pretty good conversations I bet. yeah uh let's see after that i made my first parole because it was a non-aggravated crime non-aggravated crime means that you come up for parole when you do a certain percentage of your time so in 2006 my family came to me and said hey you made parole and i was like awesome i'm getting out of here and 
they said, yeah, three years, you're out of here. I'm like, what? <laughs> and at that time, it, never, it was never heard of, a three-year. Um, it was called FI-16 or something. So the good news is you got surprising news you were going to get out. The bad news is now you get to count thousand days yeah. oh yeah it it's was not it's not 95 years <laughs> yeah but it's not right now and it's like okay now you got to really stay out of trouble yeah it's pretty easy to get in in trouble there even if you're not looking for it so it was uh you know i really walked a straight line mm. um but I, I just think god had a plan that he said hey you're going to stay here another three years you're going to build relationships with people you're going to just able to study a little more um and as as you can might imagine, when you're in a place where we we did have our jobs, but if that's all you did was go to work six hours a day, you didn't have anything going on. You didn't have to take yeah. kids to school or anything. So you can imagine, did a lot a lot of studying. Um, so let's see, two thousand December eighth, two thousand eight. I got out, got out of prison. Uh, by the way, the reason why I got in trouble was because I was cooking methamphetamine. Um, did I tell you that? Yeah, you mentioned that. Okay. Real, real life Breaking Bad here. Yep. It really was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, got out December 8th, 2008. My brother and his family was coming to Colonial, so I just naturally said, hey, let's go to church, and mm. that's when I came to Colonial. Uh, ever since then, it's kind of for the first, I don't know, the first six years, maybe five, six years, We, I, I was one of those ones that just kind of went in the front door and went right back out the front door. Probably only went to the Mac two or three times. What we uh, now call the cafe. Yes. Yes. Yes, the cafe. You're, but you're saying, like, like I think a, a number of people of yours do, they park in that front lot, step into that big auditorium, step back out, go home, and, and aren't really connected in community, in smaller groups. That's kind of your story early on, right? Yeah, and, and we go home, and, and people are like, hey, what church do you go to? Colonial. Well, how come I don't know you? You yeah. know, oh, we do too. Well, I don't know. I go there. Yeah. Well, the reason mm. why they, you know, looking back now, I know why they didn't know me. You know, if if something was going on in my life, how would how would my church know? They, I wasn't connected. No one right. knew me. Mm. Uh, the only thing I did was when the when the uh, offering came by, I was a tipper. I, you know, <laughs> didn't even put my name on it. So how how could they even know I existed? You know, I, that explains to me, Doug, so much of your heart for the many many people who in our case call colonial or church home, but aren't connected. Like I hear you mm -hmm. say it blatantly and I hear you between the lines, even just longing for more and more people, not just to come on a Sunday and sit, you know, two thirds deep and then walk back out. Um, and you know, hopefully hear some bozo like me teach them something, but, but connect in community yeah. and rub shoulders with people and serve together and, study together and pray together and enjoy friendship together. And I just, I love that about you because you've been on both sides of this. You've been yeah. several years of not connected here and now you're in the thick of it and really call a lot of people here friends. And you know, when someone's missing that you, that you care about and oh my gosh, if you, if you and Gina weren't here for a couple weeks in a row, um, I'll bet you get, you know, 25 yeah. texts going, where, Hey, you okay? <laughs> yeah, didn't happen before. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, anyway, started coming here. It wasn't, we started, uh, let's see, I was 
single at that time. I had been in a relationship with Gabby's mom. Uh, that didn't work out, but got a beautiful baby from her. Mm. Um, and I was trying to think there for two years, single, still coming to church, walking out the walking out the front, and there was several people that said, hey, you need to go check out the singles group. Uh, I never did because just I was like, I'm going back out the front. <laughs> uh, but ironically enough, this is a story. I don't, this is kind of a cool God story. Um, Gina's is, is way, her side's better. Well, she was going to uh, Wayland Baptist, and she was at the end of the year, and she had to do a Christian-based study of a, of a business well, she was the only single one in the room, so they gave her eHarmony, right? <laughs> so, so she got on eHarmony. She's like, I need to, because I got to write a paper about oh, this. Oh, this is fantastic! And uh, so, me being uh, for years, I didn't get on Facebook. Then finally got single. You know, guys get on Facebook, and anyway, one thing at least, <laughs> hoping I get a date from Facebook. Right? <laughs> well, anyway, so I get on. So one one day it popped up eHarmony or Plenty of Fish or something. So I said, I'm gonna sign up. Well. Uh, I think Gina popped up on there. Of course, I didn't know who Gina was. And I started, uh, the process is you can either skip, like if you can get them to skip, you can automatically know who it is, pretty much about them, get their phone number, right? Or you got to do a series of questionnaires back and forth through emails. Well, I, I tried to get Gina to skip that. She would not. <laughs> but I didn't know that I was her study, you know? I didn't know that I was the reason she was actually, I was actually... Uh, the purpose of just writing a paper. You were the lab rat. I was the lab rat. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the so, incredibly handsome, yeah, you know, amazing yeah. lab rat that you the, are. Yeah, yes. the one thing we connected on, because we both ride bicycles, so we connected on that. And so we were emailing back and forth. And I was like, hey, what, what church you go to? She's like, Colonial. I was like, what? And, and so we, she'd email me, back, email me back and say, what time? And I'd say, well, I'd, I'd go at this time, and this is where I sit. So for years, she'd been coming here. For years, I've been coming here. She'd huh. been in the singles group. Uh, but it's just crazy how we got together because of that. And here we are years later. That's so cool. Yeah. I love it. Yep. So anyway, we, we ended up getting married. Well, as um, when we were dating each other, we dated for about two years. It wasn't long after that. I had knew, known Clint Newton because we took a Mayus walk together. Well, he, he was on staff here at the time. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm fixing to start a small group, and you're going to be in it. It basically, I was forced. No question. Yeah, you're you're in it. It's like okay, she's <laughs> in it too, right? Oh yeah, and uh, so that's that's how it all started, man. We did that, and then we started volunteering with the kids, which is amazing. Uh, I, I just think when you start serving, it's you get to know people, you rub shoulders with people, and, and uh, one thing one thing leads to another, and then we got a small group, and then that's where it took off. Mm. You know. Mm. Well, jumping ahead, if if I can ask this, Doug, um, I have to assume that growing like a weed and and uh, maturing in your faith over the last bunch of years, that God, you know, gave you confidence, gave you a different way of seeing the world, all that kind of stuff. But to fast forward to the very recent time, my time here with you, um, I came here three years ago, and we were an elder led church, which means we have a handful of men who 30,000 foot oversee our entire church ministry, not really in the weeds like our staff is, like some of our other ministry leaders, but but really are responsible for the big, big questions. Do we have the right leadership in place? Are we taking care of our money and our resources in a God-honoring, wise way? Uh, are we theologically 
on track, those big questions. You have been asked to be an elder this past year, and we we purposely have gone really slow with the process with you. I think we're just recognizing we want to be that much more deliberate um, as a church. Would you be candid with, with us here and with everybody listening? What was it like the first time you were approached about stepping up and being one of our key leaders as a church, knowing your, your past, knowing your story, knowing how God works, uh, how easy, hard, how confident, you know, scared out of your mind, how, how comfortable, uncomfortable were, were you in this last couple years of, of God leading you in this direction of, of becoming a key leader here at, at, at Colonial? So I was very reluctant um, because I know when I was first became a believer and before I started building relationships with people in the church, with Clint, with, with who, whoever it was, I had looked at pastors, lead pastors, anybody that was in the church differently than a normal person. We think, oh, back then when I was first maturing, I think that pastors or thought that pastors had it together. They didn't sin. That maybe they even put their pants on different than I did. I don't know, but they, we held them on a huge pedestal that was almost up there at the right hand of God. Mm. And that's not the way, it's not the way it is. I'm glad um, that I can help you, yeah. you know, dismiss that. Myth. Yeah. And really, you're the you reason why I believe it. Bubble. I don't believe that anymore. <laughs> wait, so. wait, what does that mean? <laughs> Hold on a second. So, continue, yeah. continue. Uh, so when I got asked, I was like, you know, with my past, and if I do become an elder, and we, we had multiple conversations about this, that what's that going to make that person think that is just now drinking milk that's not mature enough yet to understand this and, and they still put elders and pastors on a on a, a higher level than themselves yeah. uh so you know we we had processed that all together in, in a room several times and finally we i just came to the decision through prayer uh because that was the second time we had talked about me being an elder in a year mm-hmm. so i'd prayed about it hard uh gina and i and just it looked like it was going that way so it looked like that's what god wanted us to do mm. so we just went for it uh the as I studied with you guys for six months, uh, the church elder book, and got to sit in with y'all, I, it it was a total eye opening experience for me. That uh, it's not a board meeting. It's it, it, there's a lot of prayer. There's a lot of uh, text messaging. There's a lot of connecting behind the scenes mm. and not meetings just to try to make sure things are going well, encouraging one another. Um, mm. It's almost like a small group. Uh, we almost have True. our own small group you know, that encourages each other. Um, so you talked about a couple a couple of ways the things that that were that were different than you expected or that you that you thought you knew prior to that process. But um, is there something that really stands out to you as like, man, I learned this in the process of becoming an elder, of learning what it means to be an elder, something that stands out to you that you could say, yeah, that's what I learned in that process. Yeah, so we went through this book. Uh, Lauren, you probably know the author, but Church. It's, an, it's a nine marks book called uh, Church Elders. I believe Ren- Rainier is the name of the author. Mm-hmm. Thomas Rainier rings a bell, but it's called Church Elders, nine marks book, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it was a really good book, and we kind of based our eldership on, on that book, not only that book, but some other things too. So we, we really dove into that book, and there was a lot of, uh, in the first chapter, it says, okay, you think you can be an elder. Here's your qualifications. Hmm. Uh, a lot of it, one of the big ones is humbleness, mm-hmm. um, 
prayer. Mm. Uh, the one that struck out to me the most, which I try to do, is there's a chapter called Smell Like Sheep, mm. which means our church is the sheep. Yeah. Well, that's what Jesus did. He's, he smelled like he was so close to his apostles, he smelled like them. You know? So we are supposed to be in there with the sheep, uh, talking to them, communicating with them, just doing, doing life with them. Mm. Uh, so not leading from a distance, not leading no. from on high. Yeah. No, yeah, that, we're, we're supposed to be there. And, and you know, being a church, uh, depending on the size church you have, you, you obviously can't connect with everybody, yeah. uh, but certainly want to be available to that. Yeah. I'm curious, what would you say Gina's take is on all this watching you, watching you grow in general and watching you step up to be a, an elder here at colonial. So I think Gina has, and we pray, it's the one thing we do every morning together is uh, we were knee to knee, side to side, whatever. And we'll, we'll pray for each other, pray for our church, for whatever's on the prayer list uh, every single morning. And, and I, I got to tell you, if you're struggling in your relationship, that is the one thing I would just advise you to do with your wife. Uh, set a time, do it. Anyway, um, she has always been really involved anyway with us. Uh, she has seen... And we, I don't think people realize the commitment it takes to be an elder, the meetings, the the time weekly. Uh, but she's definitely supporting it. And I think she's seen us uh, grow as a couple through that. Uh, her only requirement, I kind of messed with her today. I was like, hey, you know, we, we, we're required to do one teaching like Chad and, and Heather did. <laughs> uh, and, and we're coming up this summer. So, so, On stage preaching. Yeah. yeah. I said, you know, that's a requirement right here in the book. So yeah. <laughs> let's get ready. So. <laughs> love it. I love it. Well, that's even part of, of you sharing right here now, mm. though. There's different ways of teaching. And you, uh, for anybody who's been to a couple of our More About Colonial uh, mm. events, which is a new uh, intentional way we're trying to usher in new people, uh, we've videoed a short version of your story. Um, obviously, our podcast episode today, it's, it's part, of, part of teaching is our storytelling for mm. sure, too. You know, and I'll, and I'll bet, and there was a couple of people that came up to me after that more about Colonial, and it was like, wow, I'm not the only felon in our church. Mm. I was like, no, <laughs> you're not. I mean, that sounds weird, right? A, but, I mean. That's a, that's a I, wonderful gift of a moment to some people. Yeah. You know? Mm. Yeah, I, I find through mentorship and some other things that are that I'm doing, that Gina and I are doing to other people, I find that the people that have hit their rock bottom, and they, they know the only reason why they're here on earth today is because of Jesus Christ. They're the ones that I want to be around. They're the ones yes. that I want to, because you get so much of, out of it by seeing them grow. Yes. Um, yes. So. so as you've become an elder and started, you know, you went through that, what would you say, six months or even, the, even yeah. a year prior, you know, with praying about it and thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um, how has your perspective of colonial changed from what you knew before to where you are now? Well, there's a process that we've talked about once you see how the sausage is made. <laughs> but you know what? Um, I think now that I'm with a group of men as well as the, we meet with, the, um, with a few of the pastors every week, and, man, I just see the heart for the, of these guys, of, of what they want, the commitments they're, they're willing to do, the time they're willing to, to, to commit to just leading our sheep and our church. Um, never would have thought. I remember years ago. I'm like, okay, we got elders. What do they do? I don't see them over here. Hmm. And of course, I was 
a sheep. I mean, I was young drinking milk. It's like, hey, I don't, I'm on the serving team, and I'm on this team. Where are the elders at? Mm. And I'm, that's what I thought in my you know, early relationship with Christ. But there's so much that goes on, uh, the, the process. So. Mm. I have a, uh, maybe a shift gears a moment question for you, Doug. As one who's been here in different seasons, you, you you know I'm I'm I think the third maybe lead pastor since you've come on board here. Is that right? Rick, Terry. Oh, you were here when Rick Jim. was here. So four, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. four. Um, so you've seen you've been here in different seasons, even culturally. You know, I mean, we're in a you know still coming out of the pandemic and a unique season, even this last year and a half. Um, what is what is your hope and excitement uh, for Colonial moving forward? What you, I'll, I'll dwell on that. What's your hope for Colonial moving forward for our people? My hope for Colonial is the people that are here, and they're not connected. They're not. They're still walking out the door and, and going back. That they would get involved. They'd reach out to somebody. They'd get a mentor. Uh, they'd grow in Christ. However, how would that look? Getting a small group, um, and then I would hope the people that are just coming in would just see that we're we're a church that just really. It's, you know, we used to be a family on a mission, but I, I think we're still we're definitely a church family. And I just would hope that they don't take as long as I did mm. to get involved. Um, we've been through a lot of stuff going on. We, you know, we lost a son. If Gina and I were not connected at that time when we lost a son, I, I don't know how we would have done it. Mm. You know, um, between, you know, Ronnie Whitfield, when he was here, he baptized Sean. So we knew he was saved. Um, but if we were not involved, then no one would have connected. I mean, we were saturated with love. I mean, funeral planning, uh, all the way to the funeral planning here. I mean, people took time out of their day to, to help us. It, it, I just want everybody to have that. Mm. So that love and support. Mm. Uh, how would you say um, that after that loss, um, how has that drawn you and Gina closer to uh, to Jesus? So one of the things which, uh, one of the songs was, uh, two, a couple things happened that would you know, praise you in this storm was Gina's song while we're going through that. Um, and then there was a couple of things that was happening after that that uh, we didn't, well, one of the things we wanted to know was, um, God was how God was going to use this um, during a time of need. We, we we prayed out, say, God, okay, you took them, so now show us how this is going to be for your good. Uh, it's so crazy. We we went to Israel because we had scheduled that trip right after for a year long. We were going to go to Israel with some friends of ours, and then Sean passed away, and then let's see, the funeral was on a Saturday. We were leaving on a Sunday. And we, we weren't sure if we were supposed to go or not, but then we decided, hey, whatever, what better place to, mm. to mourn than mm. where Jesus was. Anyway, so then we came back a week later, and we were, were on the response team. So we were up front, and this lady came to us. We were standing right in the middle of the stage, and this lady came to us and said, hey, I'm mad at God. And we're like, okay, what's going on? Well, he, he took my dad too soon. Mm. And I was like, wow, <laughs> let me tell you something. We were, we were just right here. Our son's coffin was right here two weeks ago. Mm. And so... I feel what you're saying, uh, but I think I lost subject. What was the question? Yeah, it was just how how is that how's that loss brought you closer to Jesus together? Oh, also um, because of the loss, we ended up doing grief share. 
Yeah. And th- that was during COVID. So we didn't really get to finish it where we had taken it. And now Gina's. That's a 13 week study, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So she was led to bring it back to Colonial. Now we're doing that. We're in our second session. Mm-hmm. And guys, you wouldn't realize how much need that ministry is. And mm. it's, it's, it's blowing up. It's, we've had some miraculous changes mm. uh, that, that's through that. I'm so, so glad y'all are doing that. So, yeah, so it just kind of brought us closer. I think Gina sees that as her, her, her mission. Um, mm. So just knowing that that church family was there during that time has been fantastic. So Maybe maybe a great way to wrap up, uh, Doug. I can't think of a better thing to ask you. Um, I know you love Jesus. I know he has changed your life in every sense. Um, who is Jesus to you? Well, when people ask me that, we do that in the Rooted. So we ask who that is to us, and I always answer, he's my father. Hmm. So, to Expand on that. What, what, what does that mean to you and why? It's about, so he's my father, so he, he just does what a father does. He guides us. Uh, he disciplines us when needed. Hmm. Uh, just as a father does, I would hope that my kids would reach out to me as a father asking for guidance. Hmm. So that's what I try to do. I, I, you know, I reach out to him every time there's some kind of decision, not enough. I should probably reach out to him in every decision, every aspect of my life. But that's, you know, that's just like an earthly father does. Hmm. So, and he's the best example I could ever have. Hmm. And you didn't say these words, but your life clearly says he's a forgiving father. Oh yeah. He is a grace filled God of second, third, fourth, 149th chances. Yeah, I'm sure he wasn't too happy with his son when he decided to cook meth and make bad decisions and go to prison. Mm. But he turned around. Mm. So. Well, you said it before. I forgot, I forgot the words you used, but I heard, I heard you say something like, I get the most out of being with people who have hit rock bottom, who have experienced God's grace, God's redemption, um, I think in some ways that's the gift you are to the rest of us is that you have, you have tasted, um, I guess call it that rock bottom. You have, you have been running far from God in a sense. You have been in the midst of, of rebelling in the midst of not knowing him in the midst of consequence and to see what God has done internally in your heart and mind to see what then ripple effect has come from, falling in love with a woman like Gina mm-hmm. and being a dad that you are now and, and, uh, experiencing even, I don't want to tie success to faithfulness cause we can be faithful and not succeed in, in different ways in the business world, but to see the, the success you've had in, in serving and blessing a lot of people in our community through your business and now to more and more step up and, and lead the local church. I just, I praise God for the encouragement you are, to me and to us and it's just get to be one story among many of look what God's doing look what God's doing look what he's done look what he's doing can you imagine what he's still going to do I like the way you brought it back to the guy that killed his wife with a hammer (laughs) I I, I never thought about that yeah (laughs) yeah look what he look what he does it almost makes me want to try to if I can remember his name and reach back out to him say just so you know you're probably still in prison but yeah you know I'm Hopefully you're saved, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That'd be pretty cool if you could find him. Yeah, I might do that. Hmm. So, 
Well, Doug, thank you for uh, thank you for taking the time to come and uh, share your story with us in in yet another capacity. Um, we we appreciate that, and um, thank you for all of the ways that you serve our church, our people, our community. Um, because that list, I mean, even as we're sitting here talking, you've talked about uh, grief share and rooted and more about colonial and Kairos and and you know, it's like, I don't even think I can list off all the ones that you've already mentioned. So. Just the ways that you are a part of our community and you are constantly pouring back into it. Um, we, we appreciate that. So Yes, sir. I know how accessible accessible you are to me and to, to people you know well. And my prayer, too, is that maybe anybody listening who firsthand or secondhand you know, knows people who would say, I don't know if God would love me given what I've done. Or I don't know if the church is a place for me given what I've done and I hope they see you as someone that totally they can come to directly and go tell me what he did in your life <laughs> like for real like I, I just hope you're a blessing to many um, that's what we're here for yep they can yep. call me or email me I think I got an email here at the church too yeah goes to my other email yeah, yeah. so yeah D Marchand it's March and D-M-A-R-C-H-A-N-D at colonialchurch.com if you want to reach out to Doug directly for sure. Perfect. Well, Doug, thanks for being here again. Um, we appreciate your time and uh, yeah, we'll pick it up again next week. Thanks, cool. Doug. Thanks, guys.